Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tori. I'm Tracy. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you from believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time today. Turn up the volume and let's go. Housewives, we are so excited to have you here this week. We have another special guest for you, uh, Ellen Ford. And I have had the pleasure of knowing her for a couple of years now, but she is authentic and real, a pastor's wife, and you are absolutely going to love her. But before we get into that interview and what you can expect from it, we're going to read this week's review. This review is from Jess. 1015. And she says, I have known Tori my whole life and it's never a dull moment with her. So I know this podcast will be the same. Can't wait to add this to my morning podcast lineup. Thank you so much, Jess. And indeed, she has known me for her entire life. And I would say that I am the crazy one there. So with our interview today with Ellen, we go over so much, Tracy. Yeah, it's it was such a joy to like get to know her. I feel like she's uh, one of my new best friends now. Um, I already told her that I'm going to get her phone number and, and might have to just be seeking some advice from her. <laughs> and if you know me and you listen to this episode, you will understand why. <laughs> one of the most fun things we learned about Ellen that you'll learn as you listen in is how her and her husband got into ministry. I think it's so awesome because it's not the traditional. I was going to say it's not a traditional way whatsoever. No, they found what they aligned in their marriage and their faith and what they wanted to do together and instantly, you know, grew in their relationship and into marriage and into ministry. So it's very cool how she shares how they created their own path. She talks about how they make time to focus on their marriage and their family life. And I'm sure if you are listening, you know a pastor, you know a pastor's wife, you know the flexibility that it takes to, you know, have in the family and the grace that has to be extended because... Or maybe you don't. Yeah, that's true. I mean, true. so many times we think, I think the assumption is for a pastor is that we see him for a couple of hours on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and then we're like, well, he's got a pretty sweet gig, you know, only having to show like, which is so not the case when you right. hear about Ellen and her story on what all it includes sure. to be in the ministry. Yeah. And they're so they're serving on so many levels emotionally and spiritually and, you know, just being there for praying for not just your church in the community, but individuals going through like really hard life situations and being there for other marriages and counseling. And there's just so much. And yes, the church has such a body that supports one another. That's why they have small groups, prayer groups, you know, so many people that work together to build that body of Christ. And they are essentially the leader of the church, but that person that stands next to that leader, that pastor's wife, she has such an incredible perspective on that. And so it's fun. It, her Instagram handle and someone that you, you know, need to learn about her is she is the fun pastor's wife. So 
I'm sure you can learn as you go through this episode with us in this interview with her that she has such a different perspective that brings so much light and encouragement and positivity. And there's one thing that I was going to say, love. got to hit on that <laughs> she part at the end. and her husband are extreme sports fanatics. Um, they met playing sports. They have this incredible sports ministry and they are a sports family. So myself being a part of an extremely competitive sports family and just competitive nature, it was so awesome to hear her validate, you know, the struggles to be honest, because it is hard. Sports take over on the weekends and Sundays. There's a lot of families that don't make it to church because of sports. I mean, it is hard. We definitely have missed more than what we would love to, but it is a priority still for us. We show up in our sports uniforms. We come late. We leave early. We do what we need to do to be present and be there because we know how important it is to worship and to be together in the church as a family. But she just validated those feelings of at the core, our number one goal is to make sure that our kids know and love Jesus and that they're walking with him and making sure that that comes before sports. And that is a challenge. It really is. Well, I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. So without any further ado, here is our interview. Well, I am so excited to have you on the phone with us, Ellen. It is so exciting to have you because you're someone I've always looked up to and just have a heck of a lot of fun with. I remember one of my fondest memories of you is trying to light a grill in Broken Bow (laughs) for s'mores. Do you remember that? I do remember that, and I'm so glad we didn't catch the cabin on fire or our clothes. Or ourselves or anything near it. I think it was so wet that weekend, I don't think there was a possibility of us catching anything else on fire. Well, I think I really was at my wit's end. I'm like, I must look like an idiot through the window because I don't know how to light a fire. You know what? There are worse things not to know how to do, I feel like. (laughs) So, you know what? A grill is meh on the low side of things. But the reason that Tracy and I wanted to have a conversation with you for this podcast, our Unlikely Housewives podcast here, is because you are unlikely. You are an unlikely pastor's wife and you don't do things like the stereotypical pastor wife, dare I say. And I absolutely adore that about you. Tell me, how long have you been a pastor's wife? Was your husband already a pastor when you guys, or was he already in seminary when you guys were started to date or? My husband never went to seminary. Oh. So he was a marketing director at Southwest Airlines and started attending a church and he loves sports. I love sports. So he was actually over the sports ministry and I met him there. The church ended up hiring him full time. And then after that, we started dating because we had the fond love of sports. And that was our commonality. And when we got married, he was actually full time with the church. He kind of became a pastor through the sports ministry. Okay. A sports ministry in a church. Okay. Tell me more about this. like. What is that like? Are we talking like FCA, like a university type, like a fellowship over athletes? Well, sort of, but like it is a sports ministry. It was really, he was very involved in a singles ministry 
at our church and our church was very large and all the singles came because there were so many activities and he would put together leagues with singles and we did sand volleyball, softball, soccer, all co-ed. So it was a way to come together at church and maybe meet someone that you would be interested in dating and possibly marrying. So he was kind of over that ministry and it, I mean, at one point we had 60 sand volleyball teams. Holy moly. So it was a massive thing. And that's why he had to go full time with the church because he did that on the side in addition (laughs) to his job. And there was such a need and singles were flooding into the church that they were like, dude, we need you to come do this full time. That is amazing. And this is like, this is so fun for me because this is part of how my husband and I, like how our faith grew. We were in Chicago for 14 years before we moved here and our church did the same thing. And we were on our associate pastor's softball league and it was a co-ed softball league. And we played every Thursday night for 10 years, minus every other year I was pregnant. (laughs) with four kids, but that's how we met. And that's how we grew. And a lot of people that we met and connected with through our church was through something similar. That's incredible. It's one of those things where you're like, okay, I might not go to that Bible study on with people I really don't know, but Hey, I like to play softball. I'll, I want to play. And yeah, it's cool to meet people. So it's like a common ground that you can, do an activity and then also fellowship with each other and potentially, you know, in that ministry, meet your future spouse. Absolutely. Well, y'all are the poster for it. I mean, you guys were like, and then did you guys have like your own little trophy case and said, see, look what can happen to you. (laughs) Well, my husband is now, he, I mean, he's a marriage counselor in addition to his pastoral duties, but He always tells people, you know, you need to go to church and church activities because, hey, he always says shop there, bought there. (laughs) That's awesome. That is good. That is good. See, my husband and I are very competitive, like so much so where as a couple have been invited to game nights with other couples, but we've never been invited to the same game night twice. I, and I think it's, he's more laid back with people, but I'm like, follow the rules. Like they are not following them. So I'm that person. And so I'm not sure that we would have, if he had been playing a sport with me, he would have, he would have chosen on one knee. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So you guys started dating when he went to the church full time or like, or we, yes. Okay. He had just gone full-time with the church in the sports ministry. Okay. And what were you doing at the time? At the time, I was a paralegal just working at a law firm and had just gotten out of paralegal school and had my very first real job, basically. And so then how long did you guys date before you guys got married? We dated a total from meeting and getting married of 11 months. And we had one of those relationships where it was very honoring to God. And we knew we wanted to get married after about two months, but 
that's crazy. So we were like, we need to go through the seasons to see, you know, you want to see how he is when he's angry, how he is when he's <laughs> yeah. sad. Same with me. So we, we were like, okay, we really, we just knew that it was God ordained and we just wanted to make sure we dated correctly. And, but when you know, you know, there's no use of having like a 10 year engagement or something like that. Right. And now, okay. So, and you guys have two kids mm-hmm. and they're twins, boy yes. and a girl. Yes. Yes. And you said they're 15. They are 15. How is that season of teenager going? <laughs> well, it's kind of a double whammy because they're not only twins, they're boy girl twins. Twins in general are very competitive with each other. You know, they competed for space before <laughs> they were even born. Yeah. So it is in their DNA and they are obviously two different people, but highly competitive. And then you mix that in with school pressures and homework and sports and hormones and driving. They just got their learner's permit. So they're driving. So it's a little crazy crazy around here. Yeah. Yeah. Mine will be have his driver's permit in two months. And that is crazy because we start driving down here at 14. Oh yeah. Well, it's that feels a little early it's for, going. Me, for this I won't mama. Say it's going, it, I wouldn't say it's going well. I would say it's going, <laughs> but we'll get through it. Yes. Yes. Well, let's get into the life of a pastor's life. I feel like a pastor, he has such a defined job, but then a pastor's wife is really like this undefined bonus job that the wife gets because she's part of the support system, not only for her husband, but also for the church. So tell me a little bit about the growing season that has, because like I said in the beginning, you are so honest, real, you're funny, and you're not just like the church mouse kind of pastor's wife. And you embrace who you are, but still honor God and your husband through that. Right. And, you know, when I first got married, I remember before we got married, my husband, Barry, said, I want you to know what you are marrying because it's not only me, but it is the church. And it's a big calling for someone who marries a pastor because it's not a nine to five job. You are living your life in a fishbowl. It does matter if you feel like it or not, when you go to church, you got to kind of put on your happy face, you know? And I grew up in a home where my mom and dad worked together in the legal industry. And my dad was home every single day at five o'clock. We ate dinner as a family. It was very cookie cutter, normal. And a pastor's family is not like that because of the ministry side of it. And for me, when we got married, I guess I had this view that he would come home at five o'clock and we would eat and it would be the same thing that I grew up with. And then, you know, duty calls in ministry and people don't have their crises nine to five Monday through Friday. A lot of times people will call for marriage advice or their husband just left or their wife is leaving or they had a death in the family. And that required, that's not a five minute conversation, you know, that sometimes will be a two hour counseling session. 
um, or he's preparing for a lesson he's teaching and he just got into it at 430. Guess what? He's not going to be home by five. So that was a huge adjustment for us, I think, in the beginning. Learning to be flexible with what's thrown at you, you know, like, and I would imagine that that has a lot to do obviously just extending grace to each other, but then also for the kids and trying to create structure and routine, probably when the kids were little, that I would say probably is a little bit harder on you during that season. And that, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's one baby or two, but I do feel like when I meet other pastor's wives, there is a strength that they could be the church mouse type person, but there is some kind of inner strength that I feel like we all have that is God ordained that he put it in us to be able to be that support for a man or a pastor who has to, you know, his number one calling is to minister to others and grappling with, yeah, he ministers to our family, but I have a little bit extra of a role at sure. some points with the kids. That doesn't, I don't come to realize those things in the first year of marriage. You know, we've been married 20 years. So right. I would say it takes years and years to mature, I guess, to that point where, you know, I'm not going, are you still at the church? Seriously? <laughs> And, you know, and my joke is always, can they not have a crisis on a weekend when we're hanging out or, you know, something like that? Yeah. And, that, you know, that's all in jest, but it's just it's a different role. Well, I think there's such a misconception when people think about what a pastor does, because what the outside sees is whether it's somebody that's just serving a couple of hours on a Sunday, but mm -hmm. they're not seeing the phone calls that are taking him away from the middle of dinner and to go do a counseling session. And they're not seeing the, the late evenings working on a sermon or s study and stuff like that. I think that we forget that there's so much that they do rather than just the couple of hours that we see them on Sunday. Right. And it's got to, when you have a job that you interview for, like if I was going to go interview for a paralegal job, they would send me a job description of here's all the things that you're going to be responsible for and you need to be proficient on. And then if I feel like I can do those things or be challenged by those things, then I will say, yes, that's something I want to do with a pastor. They could literally make a, a hundred page document of here's all your responsibilities but here's what you're going to get paid to do because, you know, yeah. um, because a, if someone is a pastor, like my husband is not the main pastor. He is over all the marriage ministries and Sunday school classes and events and many other things, singles, everything. But then if someone calls the church and they're like, man, I'm, I'm really feeling like I need to talk to a pastor, my wife and I are just da 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 or I'm suicidal or whatever it is, his name's on a list. And if he's available, they will put it through to him. So it's kind of like you're gonna talk to all kind of people. Um when someone in our area dies and has a death in the family, he goes over to their house. I mean it's just it's an all encompassing job that 
there's a, you know, like the hundred page document of responsibilities and expectations. They just do. It's a part of their DNA. Yeah. It's who God created them to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. My question is on that, then knowing that you have to be flexible and knowing that obviously there's a lot of time and energy that's given for the church and the community in that, how do you two take time for your marriage and for each other and to where you can separate and have that space that you guys need? Well, I think it's important that we've always made it. It's not, doesn't always happen, but it's always something that we try to do is a date night at least once or twice a month. And, you know, with COVID and everything that can look different, the older we've gotten, the less exciting they have become, I think. But, um, you know, we call it date line, date night. And we will sometimes order in and on a Friday or Saturday night, sit there and have a date night and watch Dateline. Right. I mean, that sounds so boring. Um, this Friday, actually, we are going out to a restaurant, actual restaurant, and we're going to go see a movie. So we good for you. I know. I'm so proud of us. Yes, um, you can actually put on clothes for that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, great. I get to dress up. But anyway, um, but I think you have to put it into your schedule. If you go, man, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to work on this or clean the house or whatever. You know what? Put it on your calendar. If you put it on your calendar and you ignore it, that's on you. You know, yep. put it on the calendar. Well, I love that. And you guys are setting examples for your kids of what I think that is so something that is not emphasized enough about marriage is the example that you set for your kids. You know, Mm -hmm. while you grew up in a house that everybody was at home and dinner at five o'clock, your marriage doesn't look the same, but you take away from our parents what little things of things that we like, don't like. I mean, it's People date to know what they don't like and don't want. Mm-hmm. And, right. and uh, with the kids, I think when they were little, we had to get a babysitter. That's a little bit harder when people's kids are younger. But the older they got, like they're 15 now, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Y'all are gone. They can stay home and they see the importance of, hey, we're going out to dinner and a movie. And no, you are not coming because it's just for me and daddy. They sit with that and they're like, okay. And then, you know, they're the ones calling us saying, hey, are y'all on your way home? It's midnight, you know. (laughs) Do you guys make it a routine to or a priority to travel without your kids? We do. We try to do that every year. We have done that. Um, Probably we've been married 20 years, like I said, and we have done that probably about 17 years in a row where during the summer, the kids are at camp. Our anniversary is June 2nd. So in the summer, uh, we always try to make it a priority to go somewhere. You know, some years, I think we went to Florida. One year we went to New York. One year we went to Vegas. And just a few days, just time alone, away, no distractions, no kids, just so we can have a conversation that doesn't involve, you know, what are the kids doing? What do we need to do for this, that, and the other? So, yes, so good and so important. And I remember when we, my husband and I have been married 18 years and we went, I think on our first trip, when our firstborn was five months old, we did many trips before, but when I had our first, he was like, we are going to continue to travel and we're going to do it early so that you don't get this like 
too long of being home with our kid for like a year or two years with a little one and then mm-hmm. never want to go. And so we actually took a trip when he was five months. We took a trip when he was nine months without him. And I thought I was going to die without my child, but it became a habit. And we, we have traveled every year without our kids and we have four and yeah, it gets obviously a little bit more difficult. The busier they get, the older they get, but we do yeah. make it a priority and it really is worth it because it gives you that undivided attention that take away all the distraction of kids. Cause mm-hmm. we were just discussing this today, how you're either like a really good couple with the kids or without the kids. <laughs> and I'm like, we are so much more the couple that does like we thrive when the parenting isn't involved. When you bring in that parenting, it's a whole different world. <laughs> so there's the two different perspectives. Yep. It's funny. I was, I was telling Tracy the conversation we had that she's referring to is that during premarital counseling for Andrew and I is the couple that was counseling us said, look, from our experience, what we have learned is that for some couples, Being a couple is really easy. That's the easy part. And then parenting is when all the challenges come in. And that's what the really hard part is. For other couples, the parenting is really easy, but it's when they're by themselves that they have a much harder time communicating and things like that. And they said, you know, you'll find out like as you guys go, which one's easier, which is funny because Tracy and I are the opposite. Parenting is we're good. Rock solid. Awesome. For us, when we're by ourselves and having to communicate, that's when we have harder times. It yeah. is crazy. I mean, we've all, we always say like Chris and I, you know, whenever there's an argument, whenever there's trouble, it's because there's something with a kid involved. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the parenting styles and, you know, the older you are, the longer you're married. I really, when you hear that people marry their best friend, I, I seriously did. Because we can sit in a room and we don't have to speak to each other and we're both fine with it. When there is something I want to tell somebody or exciting news, he's number one on my list every single time. Where we collide is on parenting. I'm the easier parent. He is more of the disciplinarian and I'm like, eh, it's not that big a deal. And (laughs) he's like, no, you can't. That's not funny. Why do you think that's funny for him to do that? And I'm like, oh, it's just not that big a deal. And so, you know, some of the biggest arguments can be over parenting and children and stuff, but then you just can't let Satan plant a seed there and cause a wedge to be driven between you. Yeah. Okay, so there's one other thing that I want to talk to you about specifically as a pastor's wife, because you have a very successful direct sales business and Mm -hmm. that I am sure I'm going to assume before you started this direct sales business, there was a thought of, okay, can I do this because I am part of the, like, I am the pastor's wife. Can I, you know, because there are so many people that I know in the church industry that could use a side income, but they're fearful that it will damage the relationships that they have, that the church will see it as something that they shouldn't be doing. How have you had such a successful business like that? Well, this is great, great question, great topic. So I was already from the get-go, not the typical pastor's wife. Um, most pastor's wives stay at home, raise the kids, and are a full-time support for their husband, and they volunteer in the church and stuff like that. I always had to work because we needed the income. Without my job, we, I mean, our budget was so tight, it would 
cracked open if I didn't have a job. So the direct sales aspect of it was something that I thought, oh, this is an additional source of income that maybe I could be at home and finally be that pastor's wife that I've always wanted to be, stay home with the kids. And I really at first didn't think about like what it looked like for a pastor's wife to be doing direct sales. So when I really started kind of coming alive with my business, I did get comments from people at church or they would send messages to my husband and go, uh, I hope she's not selling to people at church. Oh, boy. And so, you know, it doesn't get any lower blow than that. Right. I was like, uh, my my mentality was I go to church to worship, to support my husband and to learn more about Christ. That's what I do. I don't sell my products. I don't hand out samples. That's not where I do that. So and then, you know, the church also cautioned my husband when they saw my success on social media. They said, okay, we just want to make sure that she is not, you know, doing this in a, a wrong way to get people to come to the church, you know, that type of thing. Oh, wow. But then, yeah. Oh, yeah. He assured them, like, no, she's there to worship. But the big equalizer was when I was tithing off, over, and above and giving offerings based on what I was making in my direct sales company. And then they're like, Okay, this is amazing. This is awesome. Because, you know, we wanted to bless the church ministries and further the gospel with what God's blessed me in with my direct sales. So it came full circle. There's still probably a little hint of those type of comments and stuff. But now they see my heart. They see like, oh, she's doing this the right way. So it just kind of depends on you got to kind of go through that initial barrier of what other people at the church in ministry are going to think. But if they, if you show them your heart, it works out. Absolutely. And if it goes back to, you know, if you are blessed, you can be a blessing, you know, you can bless others. And that is absolutely what you're doing, not just through the financial aspect, but through your products and through serving and helping people grow through things that then, help change their marriage. I mean, help change their health, help them be more present moms or wives, you know, like you're doing more beyond a sale. Right. And that's the heart of it. You have to share that aspect of it. So people see beyond. Absolutely. Our church has been able to explode in growth and they built a brand new children and family center. We outgrew that in two years and they had to add two more floors to it. And my tithing off of my, what I've made in my business have been able to go to that. So, you know, there's investment for future generations from a side gig, so to speak. So I think to one of the things that people who work in the church or work in ministry, I think sometimes that there is a money mindset limitation, Right. If you're doing work Mm -hmm. for God that, no, I don't need to be making like, I think there's that mental cap sometimes that people give themselves because they think that, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing the work for, I don't, I don't need to be making that extra income or I, I don't need to go out to get that because I have seen that with some people that 
Like it's almost as if they're given that opportunity, but they don't allow themselves to have that blessing and use that opportunity mm-hmm. because they feel like, well, I, you know, I work for the church because there's that idea that, you know, a poor pastor, what would you say to a person that has that kind of mindset and a mystery? And they're like, well, you know, but I, I'm doing really important work for the Lord and, and it's okay that I don't have the money and that, you know, and then they just kind of brush it off. Well, I think that mindset is a very old fashioned mindset. And I mean, There is no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt be poor. Okay. (laughs) You know, if you look in Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 woman, she wasn't sitting at home being broke. She was going out selling and making and bringing income into her home. When people have that mindset, I'm like, Proverbs 31, girl, you will get so inspired by that. And I think there is that mentality that People see pastors and pastors' families as, oh, they better not be showy or making too much money. That is a very set in old ways type mindset. But to be able to have that income additionally, not only to bless your church, to bless your home, to take pressure, financial pressure off of your husband who is in ministry, that is one of the biggest pressures out there for people in ministry because a lot of pastors' homes have more than two kids. And, you know, if the wife is not working outside the home, that financial pressure can be huge. And the pastor feels like they have to go out and get something additional to bring in money. You know, maybe go out on Saturdays and add another thing to their plate when you know, me as a pastor's wife, yeah, I had a desire to stay home and not work outside the home. But now this is something that I can do to take that financial burden off my husband, who is a pastor, so that he's able to go and minister to more people and with more passion without that burden. That's so good. I started a business seven years ago, similar. And it is one of those that when I started to relieve some of that pressure, like you could see that just the breath that he was able to take because I'd been a stay at home mom for four kids and it'd been a long season and we'd added four kids in six years. And in that season, the financial stress and burden and time away from home that it put on him was a lot. So to be able to relieve that and give him a little bit of that sense of time and freedom and, and (laughs) just that pressure gone really, really helped us. Yeah. Okay. What is one of the biggest myths about the pastor wife life? Or what's a question that you get often as a pastor's wife? Well, I think number one, the biggest myth is that we can't be authentic and real. We kind of just have to be submissive or, and I don't even know, some people have a lot of issue with that word. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Can Um, we let you in on a little secret? We won't tell anybody, (laughs) but we have submission is something that is one of our content like I episodes that we want to talk about because oh no joke. And I know she's going to hear this. I love you, mom. I love you. I love you. I want you to hear this, but we took submit out of our wedding vows <laughs> because I knew my mom would not necessarily agree with it at the time as mm-hmm. I got married at 21. So, um, <laughs> to a man that was nine years older than I am. Okay. So hey, my husband's nine years older than me. Oh, is he? Oh, <laughs> yes. 
See, and don't you think they'd be like, oh, good. Well, when you go, I'll be young enough to remarry. That's what I tell my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, it is a word. It is a word that has been, I wouldn't say challenged, but it has a lot of opinions and views. So, yes, but I would imagine that you have had more of an experience with that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, my husband does weddings. He's a wedding pastor and a lot of people will rewrite that or, but it, it goes back to Christ submitted to his father. We submit to the church. And I think that's, if we can just remember that part of it, it's not like we're submitting in everything. If you're married, you know this. Just because your husband says something doesn't mean you're going to go out and do it immediately. You're probably going to negotiate it down and, you know, rewrite the contract 14 times and then come to an agreement and then go forward with whatever you're doing. So that kind of myth out there is like you can't be like a pastor's wife can't be authentic or real or outspoken or whatever. I'm trying to bust that myth. Mm-hmm. because there are lots of pastors. And they're just, if you lined up five pastors wives, I would be the one that stuck out like a sore thumb. So like one of these things is not like the other. One of these people is acting crazy. That would be me. Just that's You're the who fun I am. One. That's just who you, one, you are right? the fun one. I mean, but that's the funny that knowing you outside of that role, I don't think I knew you as the pastor's wife. I met you first as Ellen. And so then to find out that you were a pastor's wife later, I was like, you're the fun one. I want to hang out at the party. <laughs> like you were, yeah, of course. So it's kind of, it's interesting to think about it that way is that some people are like, oh, wait, that's the pastor. When I know you're like, I want to hang out with that fun one. Like, okay. Ellen, I want to know what's your Enneagram number. I'm a three and I'm married to a three. Oh, so competition yeah, exactly. in sports is legit in your house. <laughs> oh my goodness. On every level. And we are both words of affirmation people because oh, a lot of oh, threes are yeah. affirmation. But if, and this probably goes off into a different subject, but when you are a words of affirmation person or any gift, you seem to give that gift. Like we give words of affirmation to others and each other less even though that's something we crave. Okay. I'm a words of affirmation person. My husband Mm -hmm. is a acts of service. I will tell him all the time, like, you know, that I love you and thank you so much for doing, you know, give him that. And, you know, and it it means nothing to him. I mean, he appreciates, but he, but it doesn't give him the same thing that it would give me. So having, being Mm -hmm. married to somebody who's a words of affirmation, do you find that you get the words of affirmation? Because that's hit, like you give the gift that you, Want, right. So mm-hmm. do you, do you find that you guys are kind of equal on that giving we are each very, other? Yeah. And that's an area that we would both agree that we struggle with, like because of our, you know, just personalities, Enneagram and position, you know, with jobs and stuff. When I see him do things, I'm like, my first thought was, Oh, that was good. But we need these things better. And same thing with him. Oh, I love dinner, but what was that weird spice in the chicken? Or, you know, something <laughs> like that where you're like, oh, yeah. why can't you just say it's nice? And then same thing with him when he's doing an event at church and he's like, Hey, what'd you think about it? And I'm like, Oh, I thought this was part was good, but why was that? You know, just immediately picking it apart. Right. When it's like, no, 
give them the affirmation that they so desperately need and put a period at the end of the sentence. Chris, I hope you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I do it too. You know, it's just work in progress. Absolutely. Well, and I know you have a killer tennis game because I see that on your Instagram and you're, you've you've Uh, won won a couple of tournaments there I've seen too, right? Yeah, I have come out of retirement and I'm playing again, but it's with an older, more broke down body. So (laughs) does your husband play tennis? He is actually a racquetball player. Oh, okay. But we are in a co-ed pickleball league that starts up in a month. So 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 that'll be really entertaining. It'll be entertaining. And I'm sure you may need to have me back on to tell you the you know, the status of our marriage vows because <laughs> well, we may get I, mad at each other. This is so off topic, but I have to ask, cause this is so relevant to my marriage and my family. So we like met playing the rec stuff. Um, we played mm-hmm. rec league in Chicago and all, all through our marriage. Well, now we have four kids who all play competitive sports. You know, we're very, oh, yeah. We're just a very much a sports family. And that's what we love. Like, that's where we are having our most fun is like sitting on the sidelines, cheering on our kids. I mean, we have family knockout tournaments, basketball, like we are always playing sports, but it's also extremely draining. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. there is a lot of that competitive nature that comes out in us to our kids. So any advice for a heavily competitive sports family and marriage? (laughs) Oh, it's a great question because I grew up and I, I think I was just born with that competitive nature. And I think my husband, Barry was too. And I played college tennis and I always just have that. I want to win. I want to win. And then when you have kids and you do pass some of that on, but I've also my kids are in private school now. I was able to afford, we were able to send them to private Christian school and in public school here in Texas, being athletic and being on the select teams and all, it is, it is a God here. Mm-hmm. If you are in that, then you are considered elite in private school. There is still some of that, but the emphasis is more on we do this as a way to honor the temple, you know, take care of our bodies, be competitive, but show Christ to other teams that we play. So it has grown me more to not put that, get out there and shoot 50 free throws. As soon as you've shot 50 free throws, then I want you to back up to the three point and shoot, you know, because yeah. that you have to do this over and over so you can get good and you can, you know, It has grown me so much to go, you know what? I want you to become like Christ and whatever I need to do, I need to back off. You know, maybe it is a back off a little bit on the pushing to be elite because God is trying to mold them into maybe doing something totally different, or maybe they're going to pick up some sport that you never did and they're going to become some insane avid player that wins all these championships. So, and I think the draw of, you know, the FOMO fear of missing out. If I don't have my kids in this sport playing all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, they are going to miss out on the opportunity to be on the best team. I felt that so hard, but now it's like, 
yeah, that girl is the best player on the team because that's all she does. Her family doesn't go to church. They're not involved in youth group. They don't do anything but that one sport. Of course, they're going to be good. If they're not good and they put that much time in, there's something wrong. So did your kids... I mean, I, I lived near you essentially. So mm-hmm. I, I grew up knowing and being part of that sports world in Texas that you didn't have a private coach by the time you were five in whatever sport. Don't expect to make the middle school team. Right. Right. Did right. your kids knowing that your business was able to pay for them for the private uh, Christian education, did they experience that first and then go into private school? And have to kind of back off of it themselves? Or how did that work for your kids? Well, not really, because my husband, just our family as a whole, made a rule that, okay, we're not going to do more than one sport per kid at a time. Number one, we cannot physically be in all those different places. If my son's doing one, my daughter's, you know, if they're doing one each, cool. If they're doing two each, there's a problem just trying to get to all the places. Right. And so, cause we double booked at a time and we just could not physically get it done. So we're like, okay, one sport at a time. And so my son is a football player. My daughter, she's done a little bit of everything, but she's a tennis player and that's their priority. And so if you want to do some other things, cool, but we can't physically get you there. The private school, it has really kind of come alongside us and supported those harder decisions because let's face it, like 1% of kids playing sports are going to go to the next level. Right. There's even less of a percentage, less than 1% move on to the professional level. And, you know, most people aren't thinking about that. They just want their kid to get a good education and be able to be successful adults. And, you know, I just my competitive nature has died down a little bit because I know that, number one, I want them to know Jesus. And number two, I want them to be able to leave the Christian environment of their safe, happy home and go out into the world and be a light. Um, more than I want them to be the best player on the team. Amen. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. And I don't know if you know this, but my husband, I don't think we ever talked about this because I don't think in Broken Bow we got to talking about tennis, but Andrew, he was a tennis pro for a, for a bit. Oh, yeah. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So next time we're in Texas, I'm going to see if I can get him to come out of Absolutely. retirement. <laughs> the one time he tried to teach me tennis while I had to take it in college, um, we almost broke up and we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to teach me tennis one time too. That was There's one some time. things <laughs> that you just need to agree to not do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you want to stay married. Yes. <laughs> And, and Andrew teaching me anything is pretty at much at the top of our list. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't respond well to that. I was like, it's just, the tone. It's, it's it's the tone. Yeah. hundred percent the tone. So, well, we have covered a lot today, Ellen, and this has really been awesome. And just thank you so much for your, your honesty, your transparency and, um, and keep being the fun pastor's wife. <laughs> I know. I know. I will. And if people want to find you on Instagram, how can they find you and follow you? I am 
the fun pastor's wife um, on Instagram and I would love to connect with them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. That's it. Housewives. That's what we got for you. Have a good one. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow, but living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Find our link in the show notes. Be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, freely, and be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.